if you found us here, you're probably a little like me. You think it's time to rethink the way that we do business. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and this is the Client Experience Revolution. This podcast is for entrepreneurs and will give you all the tips, tricks, and tools that other badass business leaders are using to serve their community, their clients, while still taking care of themselves. So let's dive into this week's episode, have a little fun, and learn along the way too. This episode is brought to you by Link Consulting Solutions. Are you a badass entrepreneur looking to up-level your capacity, maybe supercharge your clarity and reconnect like a rock star? We'll head on over to linkcs.com to find out how we can accomplish this and more. We have virtual assistant matchmaking as well as clarity and client re-engagement consulting. That's L-I-N-Q-C-S.com. See you there. Welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez. And today I have Ida Abdelkani. She is the CEO of Ability to Engage and a super awesome person. So I'm really excited to have her here with us. Welcome, Ida. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, who you serve and um, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the chief catalyzer of Ability to Engage. We are a boutique consultancy and we focus on three main things, which is consumer research, brand strategy, and innovation. But at the end of the day, uh, the whole goal behind ATE and the work that we do is helping people feel understood. I think it's a very common human need to feel understood. And we work to do that um, by helping our clients understand their audience in a deeper way, and then translate that into amazing marketing, amazing brand, amazing innovation that really then helps the end audience feel like, whoa, okay, that brand, they got me. You know, they came up with something, they came up with a service or a solution that really uh, meets my needs. Um, I'm also a speaker and a laughter yoga instructor and a professor. And so I have a lot of different creative interests that keep me busy uh, that I'm pretty passionate about as well. I discovered you um, through your TED talk that you did on laughter and joy. And I um, just was drawn to it because I think there's not enough joy in the world. And so tell us about how you think that laughter and joy in the workplace can be a really pivotal piece of our life. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I found laughter yoga after I left corporate America. So I used to work at Procter and Gamble. I was a global brand manager there and I resigned and was just looking for ways to figure out how to de-stress a little bit for myself. So this was, um, about 10 years ago. And so laughter yoga was very unknown. It's still relatively unknown, but back then, you know, was, was very niche. Um, and I just discovered it through a Google search myself as I was looking for, you know, meditation and like I typed in, I think alternative forms of meditation. And so I found this thing called laughter yoga and, um, ended up loving it. And well, I'm sure we'll probably get into laughter yoga itself a little bit later, but the idea for me was simply, you know, when we have so much stress in our lives, right? What are some different tools that we can put into our toolkit to help us relieve some of that stress? And for me, what I loved about laughter um, is just the idea that it's something that's free that you can literally do at any time, right? I don't have to go to a certain location to laugh. I don't need to have 
something with me to laugh, right? I mean, I can literally just make myself laugh intentionally um, to get that release and to bring that joy back in. So that's what I really love about laughter and trying to bring it into the workplace as well and um, into our lives as as much as possible, whether it's professional or personal. Um, It's just such a release and it, it has so many benefits for for us from, you know, body physically to mental and emotional as well. Um, and it's, like I said, free and easy to, to do at any time. So yeah, I think it's an amazing tool. I agree. I agree. I know we were talking in the green room, we were talking about an example um, when I was working in healthcare and it, you just get caught up in the daily grind sometimes and you forget to like, you forget that you're a, per, a person. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I had just, this was when LuLaRoe had just like really hit or whatever. And I was wearing scrubs and underneath my scrubs, I had a pair of black leggings on and they are really, really soft. If you've ever touched LuLaRoe leggings, you will know <laughs> what I'm talking about. And they, they advertise that they're like butter. Okay. Yeah. So I said to my friend, I was like, oh my God, have you like heard of these leggings before and she's like no I have not and I was like you have to touch them and I like pulled up the leg of my pants and I like stuck it up on the counter I was like touch it <laughs> touch it right now and so then we started like it morphed into this thing where we would do side lunges and then we were like we can't just side lunge we have to do jazz hands while we're side lunging and so we would do this like when we were having a hard day we would see the other person like kind of serious or whatever. And we'd be like, Oh, excuse me. And side lunch and jazz hands, you know? And one time the doctor came around the corner while we were both side lunch jazz handsing. And he just like very awkwardly, like put his hands out with <laughs> jazz hands and like lunged down. He's like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> he was on board. I love yeah. it. <laughs> but it just was an example of how something So, I mean, it took something that visually ridiculous for us to like break that pattern of like getting caught into the seriousness and forgetting that we are dynamic people, that we have a heart and love and all these fun and cool things inside of us, aside from like the grind of the day-to-day tasks. And so I love the message that you're bringing with that. Yeah, no, I love that example. I mean, you know, I think what you're underscoring here is how we are whole people, right? At work, we're still like a whole person. And sometimes we forget about that. We kind of put on our work face and our work armor and we leave some of our personal self at home. And we don't need to do that, right? We can bring the whole person to work. And I think a lot of times we're worried about perception and how are people going to react if I'm goofy or if I say this thing that, you know, I have to be careful. What if that offends somebody? And, you know, those are all, you know, I think very um, legitimate concerns, but there's ways to still bring in that joyfulness, that play in your whole self, I think. Um, And so some of the things that I recommend to people to kind of lighten the mood at work is just to start with a smile, right? We don't have to even get to jokes yet. Just a simple smile is enough to lighten the mood, right? And we have mirror neurons. And so when we smile, so have you heard, you know, like a yawn is contagious? Mm -hmm. And so same idea. So it's a smile, right? So if I smile, you know, other people will start to smile too because of the mirror neurons in our brains. And so that's an easy way to start, I think, 
kind of lightening the mood, so to speak, at work. Um, and then we can gamify things, right? I mean, kind of like what you did, uh, you did something in a very playful way, but um, you kind of just made it into almost like a little game, like now we do jazz hands, right? Um, and so being able to do um, that type of stuff, I think works really well. Being able to make challenges is another way to gamify things pretty easily. Um, there's, you know, a great story from Allbirds. I don't know if you're familiar with them, the, mm -hmm. the shoe company. Um, and so they uh, had a sales goal that they wanted to hit and the team thought that it was an insane goal. And so someone said, well, if we hit that goal, I'll buy a Frosé machine for the office, you know, and, and, they hit the goal and that person bought a frosé machine for the office. So, you know, there's things like that too, that you can, you know, bring a laugh in that way by just like making some, you know, absurd challenge that might otherwise stress you out. If you're focused on that sales goal only and like, oh my God, how are we going to hit it? And then you just turn it around and you're like, okay, well, it might be an insane goal, but if we hit it, this is what we're going to do. And we're yeah. going to with it, right? Like it just kind of lightens the mood. Still, you still have the same goal. You want to hit that huge, insane sales goal, but now you have a bit of a more fun way to look at it at the end of the day. Right. And those little things can make all the difference. And then, I mean, to your point of just at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have a gamification idea or something like that, just be playful, you know, just bring in some of that childlike play because, um, you know, that's something that as we get older, as adults, we're kind of taught to take away the play that we have to be more serious, but our natural state as children, um, you look at kids, right? They're laughing all the time. They're playing all the time. And um, we're taught cognitively to start to take that out and to put in judgment. And we actually just need to pull back some of that judgment to allow the play back in. Well, that's, you know, that takes it to a little bit more of a serious place, but that's actually one of the notes that I wrote when I was thinking about our talk today was like how this really connects to the inner child. Mm -hmm. Like how, if you are feeling very disconnected from your inner child and maybe you've had some childhood difficulties or trauma or things along that line, this might be difficult for you mm -hmm. because you're not connected. And that's something that I've done a lot of work on in the last year. And so I, I am one of those people that have, you know, like I might not laugh at a, something that my husband will, my husband laughs at like everything. It could be a Doritos commercial. Like he will just, and if he doesn't just laugh, he like guffaws, like, <laughs> like all over the place. And I'm like, Oh my God, just chill out. You know? And he's like, what is funny? You know, like, and it bothers him that we'll be watching something and it's funny and I won't laugh. And mm -hmm. he's laughing. And I'm like, I like it. I think it's like, it's not that I don't think it's funny. It's just that I don't like externally laugh as much. And mm -hmm. I think that it, it has been in the past that I just am not as in tune with that, like allowing myself to relax enough to, um, to enjoy in that way, you know, to externally enjoy things. I might like internally be like, wow, that's really funny. You know, like, yeah. and I, I'm like, I always tell them I'm laughing on the inside, you know, like, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think that is true that if you, if you aren't, I mean, that sounds like very woo woo, your inner child, but really, truly, if you have had a, a harder childhood, or if you're not really in touch with the, the places that you've been and how you've grown and, like had the ability to be a child, right? then it's hard to allow yourself as an adult to relax into that state. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that really kind of drew me to laughter yoga was learning that 
children laugh about 300 times a day. And as adults, we only laugh about 30. So we have a 90% decrease as we get older. Um, And that really hit me when I heard that statistic of, oh my gosh, like it just, it just brought me back to thinking about myself. And yeah, like if I could, you know, as I look back in hindsight over the years, I could see myself laughing less and less as I got Mm. older. And, you know, a huge part of that is, um, you know, responsibility. And, you know, as you get older, you've just, you've got more on your plate, so more stress, right? Um, But I think a huge part of it too, is just being kind of conditioned, right? Um, Again, that cognitive thinking part comes in and what you were just talking about, a lot of it is cognitive, right? Like you, like you said, you're laughing on the inside, but cognitively, you're not allowing yourself, you don't feel okay to externally show that. Um, And so a lot of you know, that laughter yoga is really, or just laughter in general, I think is just really trying to let go of some of that cognitive decision-making that we have and just allow like the real emotion um, and a little bit of the reptilian brain before the mammalian brain kicks in to just react, right? And just to feel whatever it feels, you know? Um, and that that's something though that takes work now because we've been conditioned a certain way. Like we right. have a certain thought process, like even again, in your example, it will take work and time for you to be able to work through that and allow yourself to put the cognition aside and say, let me just like, if I feel this, like, let me just feel it. Yeah. Tell us, so let's dig in a little bit. Tell us about what laughter yoga is. Yeah. So laughter yoga, um, I, I often tell people that they need to put aside their connotation of what yoga is, uh, because now, you know, yoga is so popular. And so I think a lot of people think like they need a mat or, um, you know, they need to be in their workout clothes and the, the like butter tights, (laughs) you know, um, but that's not what it is at all. It is, uh, called yoga because of the pranayamic yoga breathing. So that's how it gets the yoga name. Um, but we're not doing a bunch of stretches and you don't need to be in a yoga studio. You can literally do it anywhere. You know, I've done it in, in huge auditoriums. I've done it in yoga studios. I've done it in parks. You know, um, you can really do it anywhere. And so um, laughter yoga is based on the idea of, again, the pranayamic yogic breathing, which is filling up your diaphragm and exhaling so that you're really pushing out the stale air and oxygenating yourself and then laughing as an exercise. And laughing as an exercise, what that means is um, really thinking about laughter as an intentional thing. And so in that way, we don't need a stimulus like a comedian. We don't need the jokes per se, right? We can literally use exercises as a way to laugh, just like how for our physical body, we go and we lift weights and we do exercise. This is an emotional exercise where, you know, we're focused on how do we bring some, you know, emotional benefit to ourselves, mind, body, soul as well. And so an example of that would be, um, you know, one that, that I do a lot when we're in groups, not, not now with COVID, uh, but pre COVID would be, uh, shaking hands laughter. So we, we'll go around in a circle, we shake hands with with the people around us and we laugh while we do it. So again, literally there's no joke. It's just, okay, we're gonna laugh and we say, fake it till you make it. You push out a laugh and you can have it be what I call intentional or fake laughter and it becomes real. You know, it it only takes the body about a minute or so and it will become real laughter because you're just, it just feels silly, right? That playfulness comes in. So another big part of laughter yoga is childlike play. It's about the idea of 
not caring, you know, what society thinks and just getting back to that childlike play where you can just have fun with things again. And the thing that I really love about laughter yoga is that you're not using people as your way of laughing, right? Like you're not, you're not making jokes. You're not making fun of people. And that's one of the things that, um, that I think is really important because a lot of times when we laugh and we make jokes, unfortunately it's at the expense of other people. And, um, at times that can be demeaning. I mean, there's tons of great jokes out there, right. That, that have nothing to do with demeaning other people or putting people down. But unfortunately there are a lot of jokes, um, that come at a cost and laughter yoga specifically moves away from that. And that's what I really enjoy about it. And it started actually, um, the, the doctor who started it in India, they started with laughter circles in the park and they would put one person in the middle and that person would tell jokes and they would all laugh. And that, that's actually how it started. And it got to a point though, where, um, you know, they kind of ran out of jokes and one person said like, well, I don't feel good about this. Cause a lot of the jokes that we're saying are negative, right. Or like, it's making fun of people. And then that's when the doctor went back, Dr. Mundan Kataria went back and started looking at, you know, more research and thinking about, well, how can I induce laughter for not telling jokes? And then yeah. that's how he actually came up with the laughter yoga exercises that he started with was specifically around like, I don't want to be negative, you know, yeah. uh, I don't want us to be making fun of people. Um, and so that's one of the things that really drew me towards it. Oh, I love that. I love that. What do you recommend for people that may feel uncomfortable laughing intentionally and without a prompt? Mm-hmm. So like, when we're talking about this, we're talking about like the fake laugh type thing. So yeah. if they feel super awkward and they want to try this out, yeah. but they feel uncomfortable, how do you help them get past that? Yeah. So I always say, you know, the number one thing to think about is, would you rather feel uncomfortable laughing because, you know, you have no reason to laugh, but it releases, you know, all kinds of great endorphins for you and dopamine, etc. you know, or, um, you know, would you rather and take the loss of not laughing at all. Right. Um, so that's kind of, for me, like it's, it's that opportunity cost It's like, yeah, I could maybe feel uncomfortable laughing, um, for, you know, no reason, so to speak, or intentionally laughing without a joke. And yeah, it could feel awkward, but the trade-off is to not laugh, right? Like the trade-off is to not release the dopamine and the endorphins and to continue to feel the stress. And so for me, when when I weigh those two things, I'm like, okay, I'd rather take a little bit of the awkwardness at the beginning um, to get the end benefit of being able to to feel really good from a good deep belly laugh. So, you know, that's the number one thing I, I tell people is just ask yourself about what you're trading off, you know, and is it worth it to you to feel a little awkward? And for some people it's not, and that's okay. Right. For some people, the idea of feeling, you know, awkward laughing intentionally makes them feel a little crazy Um, and they and they don't want to go there. And that, you know, that's it's an individual decision. Right. You can't can't make people do it. Um, But I think that if you really think about what do you have to gain from it, what's the opportunity there versus what's the risk? And the risk really is mostly around ego. It's mostly around you know, what are people going to think? It's not like this is something where you're going to, you know, risk losing money or, you know, there's not like real tangible risks to this. It's, it's more of the soft intangible stuff of like, how do you feel? How are you perceived? How are other people going to think about you? And a lot of that honestly comes down to our own 
egos, um, which is not an easy thing to solve at all. But I think if you put it, if you put it in that context about what's the real risk, right, um, then it, it helps to think about it more as an opportunity to gain something, an opportunity that helps you uh, bring something new into your life that really doesn't have a lot of downside. Absolutely. And I was thinking it would be an interesting personal experiment, like to go through a normal day and count how many times you laugh. Yep. And then Mm -hmm. try to do this and count how many times you actually like, like maybe count how many times you try or like mark down when you're going to try. And then how many times you actually laugh, you know, whether that be a result of the intentional laugh or actually laugh, you know, to like as an experiment to show yourself like this can work. And, you know, and also like, I mean, it it almost like when I thought it, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm almost a little afraid to do that. Like, what if I'm not laughing like at all? You know, I know that's not true because I have an 11 year old and she's effing hilarious. (laughs) And so we'll do like the, like in our house, like I have, so I have three daughters, one's 22, one's 20 and one's 11. The 20 year old still lives here, but she's in and out, you know, Um, And so the term of endearment between the two girls is poopy stink or stinky poop. (laughs) So then, I mean, you can't like not laugh when you hear them. They're like, hey, stinky poop. Um, I was going to go to, you know, like (laughs) you you can't not laugh when you hear the poopy poop because it's it's like they say it like they're saying, honey, honey, dear, (laughs) hey, poopy stink, you know. Um, It's your version of playful. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But, but I think there's, I think that there could be some, um, resistance only because there's some fear that there's that it's actually worse than you think it is, Mm -hmm. but you, there's just a place of awareness. Even if you didn't do that, where you like tracked how much you actually are, even if you just said like, I wonder how many times I could make myself laugh today. Yeah. I mean, or how many times I could smile today and then just like mentally tracked that it would be really interesting. Well, so I have a challenge for you. Oh, I would love it. it. Let's do it together for a week because I've actually not done that. I've not tracked how many times I laugh a day. So today's the 23rd. So what if we do it till the 30th, till the end of the month? Yes, I'm totally in. All right. All right. It'll be interesting to see because actually I don't know. I've never counted how many times I laugh a day. I do know, I mean, to your point, when I've brought up um, the idea of how many times children laugh a day versus adults, um, I know a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, I don't even think I laugh. 30 times a day, you know, and it's, it's an average, right? So you can have less than that and you can have more than that. Um, but yeah, there, you know, I get the feedback a lot that a lot of people don't feel like they're laughing even 30 times a day. And if you think about that, um, wow, you know, what opportunity do we have in our lives, right? That if we're really going around all day long without laughing at all, or maybe only once or twice, um, you know, how much lighter we could feel, how much, different our problems would feel and the stress would feel if we could kind of reorient, um, you know, how we're approaching things with a little bit more laughter. So let's do the challenge together. Oh, I'm in, I'm in. And (laughs) for anyone who's listening later on after this um, releases, we would love to hear your, even if you do it for a day, Yeah, just respond, post on the post, comment, let us know how many times you ended up laughing if it was what you expected. If it was not what you expected, we want to hear, um, you know, more about what other people's experiences are for sure. And I'll post and I'll post my results too. Yeah. Yep. Same. I love it. Um, so tell us when we bring this concept, these concepts into the workplace and 
how, you know, how do we do this? How do you recommend that this work be done in the team setting and that they want to, um, you know, improve the stress level, but they, they also want to keep the professionality in, in the workplace. So, you know, how, how do you do that so that it can still be taken seriously? Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing is that you have to read the room right? So there's different work cultures, there's different types of teams and personalities. And, um, you know, laughter, while it is incredibly helpful, right, it's not appropriate in every situation. Um, And so you have to really think about, you know, reading the room, but what you can do, so while laughter might not necessarily work in every single situation, I do think the idea of lightness and levity can work in every situation, right? Um, Even in the most dire of situations, like there's a way to approach it that adds more stress and there's a way to approach it that can make it a little lighter without necessarily um, solving for it, right? Like you might not have the solution right away for for some of these challenges and, and stressful situations, but the approach again can be changed. And so um, that's my number one recommendation is just, you know, don't necessarily go in thinking, oh, I got to make people laugh, right? Just go in more with like, okay, let me read the room. Let me read the situation. First, can I bring lightness or levity to the situation in some way? And then, and then I would say the second step from there is then, okay, can I bring some laughter to it, right? If it, if it feels appropriate, then once you start bringing in the laughter, um, I always caution people to be careful about not using demeaning jokes, right? Going back to what we were just talking about. Um, and why I love laughter yoga is because you don't really have a fear of, of saying something that could be offensive or, you know, using people as your crutch for laughter. Right. Um, and so, be careful of demeaning jokes, be careful of dirty jokes. I mean, I know I hear that a lot, you know, in the workplace, especially sometimes like women feeling uncomfortable, like, ha ha ha, like you feel like you have to laugh because everybody's laughing, but it was really kind of like maybe a dirty joke or something that made you uncomfortable. Um, And so you have to be careful because using jokes is a double-edged sword, right? It can, it can create laughter and it can create strong ties. It can also create a lack of respect amongst your team members, right? right? If you're using demeaning jokes or you're using dirty jokes. So You know, with laughter, a way that you can bring in laughter without using the demeaning jokes is um, like what we talked about earlier, like gamifying things, just being playful, right? It doesn't have to be, we we connect jokes so much as like the the how-to for laughter. Yeah, like the trigger. as, yeah, as the trigger and the how, and um, and it is a great how. I'm not saying like that we don't need comedians in our lives. We do. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing resource to have, but that is not the only way to trigger laughter, right? right. Um, and so, you know, just kind of go into thinking of laughter as I think a broader scope than just the idea of, of needing a joke or needing a comedian. Um, and then also just, again, the idea of um, taking responsibility for what you bring to the table, right? Um, what is the energy that you want to bring into the room? Because you don't have to be responsible for everybody else around you. Because I could, I could very well think something's funny. Like you were just talking about your husband earlier, oh, right? Yeah. He thinks a Doritos commercial is hilarious. Um, and so what I find as a trigger uh, to be funny and to induce laughter could be very different than what you find to be a trigger, right? And so we also have to kind of align our expectations that um, there's varying degrees or there's a spectrum of, of those triggers of what will induce laughter. And so you can't be responsible for everybody else, but what you can be responsible for is yourself. 
And if you take responsibility for um, your own energy in the room, that in itself counts for a lot, right? If I walk into the room and I say, I want to leave this room or this team meeting better than how I came into it, right? I want I want everybody to hopefully feel better than how they came into it. And that's going to be my contribution. I'm taking responsibility for myself. Then the way that I respond to things in that meeting is going to be different than had I not walked in with that intention, that I'm taking that responsibility upon myself to make the energy lighter for me. And then hopefully if it rubs off on other people, great, but at least I took responsibility for my energy. So that's, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's all we can do is you can only be in charge of yourself. Um, and but hopefully by being in charge of yourself and you go in with that right mindset, you can you can leave others in a better place as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if someone was to walk away from this conversation and they were only able to distill it down to one thing yeah. if, and take away one thing, what do you think that one thing would be that you would really want them to take to heart and, um, and take away from this conversation? Say that uh, laughter is a choice. Mm. You know, that at the end of the day, um, we can't change the situations that are in our lives. A lot of times, I mean, we, we can change some things, but a lot of things are out of our control in life and we can't change those outcomes. But what we can change is how we react to it, right? In any situation, I can get angry and mad and yell or I could cry or I can laugh. Yeah. You know? um, and so laughter is a choice. And um, I think if we think of things in that way, we're able to, bring some of that lightness into our lives more. Who doesn't need a little bit more lightness? In life? I love <laughs> we that. all do, especially now, right? <laughs> yes. Well, is there any um, piece of advice that you've been given or mantra or phrase that you kind of take with you that has, um, this is something that I just like to ask to share, like, so that people yeah. get a little window into your, into your brain, but is there anything that stands out for you as a meaningful that you take with you, whether that be laughter related or joy related, or just something that has really, um, stood out as meaningful for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's necessarily like a mantra that uh, I use in life, but I will say this because I think it's uh, it's a mantra for laughter for sure, which is fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, the idea of just being intentional with it. And even if you feel weird or awkward, it will become real. Like the laughter will become mirthful and very, um, organic, so to speak. And so that's something that's just helped me uh, get into laughter a little bit more is knowing that the outcome will come. And sometimes you just have to trust and you have to believe. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's applicable in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Well, and we thank you to the audience for joining us for this episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and we will see you next time. You know what I love? It means so much to me that you took the time to listen to this episode. If you did enjoy this episode or any of our other episodes, and you'd like to help support the Client Experience Revolution podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on your social media or even leave a rating and review. 
And if you want to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at link.consulting. That's L-I-N-Q dot consulting. On Twitter at Link Consulting. And even better, find us on YouTube. The channel is Raya Gonzalez. And you can see all of our podcast episodes in video format if you're just curious to see what our guests look like. We appreciate you so much. And that's why we're excited to see you next time.